There is no doubt that there is a major problem that we are seeing amongst a younger generation today. There is a problem that you and I, maybe even at your age, are beginning to see. If we were to go around the room today and were to ask the teachers and the professors and the doctors that are in this room, what is a major problem that they are seeing, I am sure that many of us would probably state the same thing. But today, for the next couple of moments, the major problem that we're seeing is not necessarily that just styles have changed. The problem that we're seeing is not necessarily that younger generation is doing ministry different than a generation before or, or the last several generations have done it. The major problem might not even be that there are or is a younger generation that is uh, chasing a dream for themselves outside of what the will of God is for their life. The major problem that we are seeing today is that we are now have raised an entire generation that is just simply giving up. They are giving up because life is not fair or because of circumstances, or because of cruelty, or because life is hard. It's not a generation that is behind your generation. It is the generation that you and I are living in. We are living in an entire generation that is simply calling it quits. If, if they don't like the high school coach, then, well, I'm done. Well, I, I don't get to play enough, and I sit on the bench, so I'm going to transfer. If, if I don't like the travel team, then, uh, then I'm going to jump ship. If I don't like the role that I am in, then uh, that's it, I quit. I, I don't like the job that I am doing, so I'd rather sit at home and pray about maybe the dream job that's going to fall in my lap. And for for the next couple of moments, I want you, young person, to realize that you and I have to, this trend that is taking place, it cannot go on, and it's not something that we sit back, complain about, uh, complain about twist our thumbs, and uh, hopefully it'll just go away. No, you and I must realize today this must stop. Why? Because Jesus wants you and I to be resilient and to plant roots and to fight for what you and I have. Realize today, young person, that the psalmist who is penning these words, this is what he has been talking about for the last 80 verses. The psalmist is writing, and the time that he is writing in is not that it's life is grand and life is wonderful, and my 4OK is, is flourishing, and I'm going to sit back, relax, and hit the golf course. No, when the psalmist is penning these words, he's going through very difficult circumstances. He's going through a very hard time in his life. Even in this next section of this passage of scripture, the same root word comes up over and over again. He says in verse number 81, my soul faints. In verse number 82, my eyes fail. In verse number 87, they had almost consumed me upon the earth. You see, this morning, tune in for just a moment and watch. You and I must realize that the psalmist is telling us, and he's pinning these words saying, he is totally exhausted. 
He is exhausted spiritually. He is exhausted emotionally. He is exhausted uh, uh, physically. He is exhausted mentally. At this point in the psalmist's life, he is saying this, I, I really want to throw in the towel, but I'm not going to. I am very much exhausted and I'm at the, the end of my road, but I must continue on. Realize today, listen very carefully. In this message, it's not to sit here and to tear your generation down. This message, by all means, is not supposed to be discouraging. But what I want you to realize over the next several moments is what you have and, and the gifts that God has given you, it is not a time in your life to sit back and complain or wonder or, 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 or stretch back and, and just cruise in. No, you must realize that we need you in this fight. If you agree with that, say amen this morning. We need you in this fight. I want you to realize this. Carrie and I, my wife and I will be married coming up on 18 years 18 years I've been in the ministry, turned 40 years old this past year. Can you believe it, Dr. Getch? 40 years old. I'm growing up on you. I'm telling you, 40. I got all this gray here now, and I think some of this gray is from the students that I had in Old Testament and New Testament, and uh, not turning in papers. You just have to turn in a paper. I kept saying it. Just turn in a paper. Just turn. I was with the freshman. I don't know. Just turn in a paper. And thanks for the gray beard that you gave me. But nonetheless, I want you to realize today that this message is to encourage you that being in the ministry is one of the greatest lives that you can live. I am, I, I am tired at my stage of life of hearing a younger generation talk about, well, if I go into ministry, I'm going to be poor and I have to drive an old car and I'm going to be miserable. Well, all those things are very correct, <laughs> okay? But, but it's really not true. Because when you're in God's will and you armor up and you're fighting for him, a car is the least of your worries. You realize riches are here and then they're gone. You begin to realize, excuse me, friend, that life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and then it vanisheth away. I begin to realize walking on this campus this week that, that I have now been in Indianapolis longer, just over three years, than I was here on staff. And, and when I realized that, it just it boggles my mind at how quickly time is going. And you and I don't have time to sit here and to say, well, I don't want to be miserable, and I want to do this, and I'm not sure if this is God's will. And, well, I gave him one year, and okay, and we'll be done. No, realize life is tough. This is what the psalmist is telling us. But in the these difficult circumstances, there is a key to surviving. And as the psalmist begins to pin these words, he gives us these keys. So, so in life, what is the key to survival? And especially during difficult circumstances. Well, in this psalmist's life, we see, first of all, if you're taking notes this morning, would you write this down? Number one, there was a confidence. Number one, there was a confidence. You see, under the heavy weight of persecution, the psalmist cried out in anguish to the Lord. But still he did not lose his confidence in God's word. So why is it so important for you and I to have confidence today? Well, the reason we ought to have confidence, first of all, is because there is a longing for his rescue. Look at verse number 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope 
in thy word. You see, the psalmist was convinced that he could not bear this painful affliction much longer. He stated bluntly that his soul was fainting and he was wanting and desiring this salvation, this, this rescuing from God. Listen, Colossians, for just a moment, look up here. It is okay to be in this situation. It is okay to, uh, to, to call out and to long for God's rescue. For too long we have seen it in Christendom this, uh, this type of model that has been handed that, that if you feel weak or if you feel down or if you feel like you're going through a bad circumstance, that that, that is the moment you, uh, you, you fake it till you make it and you put a smile on your face and you just, you just kind of get through. Hold on, listen now very carefully. I want you to realize today that Christ, uh, Christianity should not be based on being fake and, and acting like we have perfect marriages and perfect homes and, and perfect kids. I just want us all to realize for just a moment, there are none righteous, no, not one. There's not a perfect life. There's not a perfect person. There's not a perfect marriage. There's not perfect kids. But aren't you thankful we serve a perfect Savior? And you and I have to have this confidence it's okay to be there to long and, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling and, and, Lord, I need you. But what I love about this is that his hope was not in the world. His hope was not in culture. His hope was not in education. He says here, my hope is in the word. And you and I remember that, yes, it is dark outside. And, yes, it is wicked outside. And, yes, we could talk about politics. But our hope is not in politics. And our hope is not in religion. Religion. Our hope is in the very word of God that never changes and is inspired and inerrant and perfect. Any man in here thankful for that today? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Aren't you thankful that our hope is here? The psalmist said, hold on, watch now. I know who can help. I know where my hope is. And friend, you and I know where that hope is today. You and I have that hope. You and I have that rescuer. Jesus, Jesus is that hope. Jesus is the answer. His title is answer. His title is solution. His title is author and finisher. Beginning in the end, he is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. He is everything that you and I need in life. And yet he listens. Hey, am I the only one that wants to shake my fellow Americans? who claim to follow Jesus and say, why are your opinions so big and your learning so small? What happened to us along the way? Why is our hope in Fox News? Why is our hope in CNN? Why is our hope in a president? Why is our hope in, in some type of religious movement? No, I want us to realize, young person today, our hope is in Jesus Christ. You see, our hope has to be built upon this confidence. And why do we need this confidence? Because we're longing for his rescue, but also because our eyes become strained. Look at verse number 82. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, when wilt thou comfort me? You see, this dear servant had looked for God to fulfill his promises for so long. His eyes now have become strained. He described them as failing. He has been waiting and he has been enduring and has been persevering and he has been hoping. And now he's coming to this, this pause where he's saying, I don't know if I can hope any longer. I don't know if I can go on any longer. Understand this. What the psalmist is saying is that you and I are human. We 
go through difficult times. We go through hard times. It's not to say, hold on, watch now. It's not to say, Brother Shepherd, in ministry, do you ever face hard times? Or is life always rainbows and butterflies? Let me help you. Let me just, just listen, watch. No, life can have difficult moments. We're human. Dr. R, this year, January. I, anybody like January? Well, you're coming back to school, so it's like, oh, Christmas is over. I, I actually really enjoy January because it, we get to put away the eggnog and we get to get in shape. And it's like this brand new year of like, oh, let's do this. Let's face the year. Can I tell you, January 1st, I, I had to do the funeral of a dear, dear friend, 38 years old. Died of a heart attack just like that. January 1st, we buried him. Did a funeral. You know, since then, Dr. R, we've buried four more people. I've had five funerals this year. Funerals for a pastor is not like, woohoo, here we go, let's, let's uh, everybody gather around. Let's, no, no, funerals are tough, they're hard. We're saying see you later to a, a Christian, a brother, a mom, a dad. It's, it's very difficult. You and I must realize today, if you're going to try to go through life and, and here, is your, here is your goal, I just want to go through life and be happy. <laughs> Friend, you're, you're going to go through life actually very miserable because you're trying to take control of what is not yours. This life, friend, is so much more of a mystery than it is not. That we, we sit in auditoriums like this and we, we act like we're the captain of our own ship. We sit in here and act like, uh, like, like we're the ones behind the steering wheel. Hold on, listen. Listen, call you. I want to help you here. Are you kidding yourself? What color are your eyes? Did you check that box before you were born? Our whole life is all about Him. Our whole life is all about His grace. Our whole life is realizing that life does have problems. But you and I in those moments must ask ourselves, are our problems bigger than God or is God bigger than our problems? And that's the moment we take our problems to Him and we cast our problems at His feet and we realize that our confidence is not in this world. No, John put it like this. These things have I spoken you that you might have peace the world shall have tribulation watch what it says but be of good cheer Jesus said I have overcome the world how many are thankful for that would you say amen today aren't you thankful God's in control no cause you don't realize this we have to have confidence why because because our soul faints we're longing for his rescue but because our eyes become strained but also because there are all those moments we feel useless Look at verse number 83. Watch what the Bible says. It says, For I am become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. Now, now realize this. Totally consumed by his affliction, the psalmist pauses here and says, I, I am like a, a, a bottle. I, I'm like a bottle in the smoke. Now, I've been around, I'm 40 years old now, and grew up in the South, pastor, lived in California. I've been, this is the honest truth, I've been in places. And I, in my life, not once, ever, have asked somebody, how you doing? And they said, man, I'm like a bottle in the smoke. 
Like I said, no one ever. And I've never come across somebody, man, I'm just dying like a bottle in the smoke, my friend. <laughs> I, okay, I'm sorry, what? What, what? what does that even mean? The psalmist here uses this phrase here in, in the Word of God, and actually I love it. He's referring to a leather bottle that's hanging by a fireplace. This leather bottle would be used for drinking water. This, this leather bottle would be used for, uh, for carrying liquids in. This, this was actually in Old Testament times and, and all the way up through history vitally important to the health of a human being. This bottle was used, but as this bottle would be used, they would hang it by a fireplace, whether to heat that water or to get it warm and or to purify it. And the problem would become that the soot and the smoke of that fire would come out and eventually that leather would dry up. The problem with the leather drying up is that eventually it was no good. You'd go to get your water in a brook. You'd go to fill it up in a creek and, 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 and the water's just pouring out. To be honest with you, at that point, it's totally useless. You throw it away. You don't, you don't need it anymore. It should be just discarded. And the psalmist says, that's how I feel. College student, you ever feel like that? For an older generation that's sitting in here today, you ever feel that way? It's useless. I, I can't sing like the, the trio of girls that were up here. Incredible song. I, I can't sing like that. I'm useless. I can't preach like that guy. I can't memorize it like uh, so-and-so. I can never get an A in this class. I, I, I just feel kind of useless. I, 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 I feel useless because, because, hold on, listen now, watch. Let, let's, let, let's just get to the nitty-gritty for a moment. I feel useless because I just feel like I'm going through the motions. I'm a sinner. I feel like my addictions... Keep coming back. I've been in this altar so many times last semester, and yet I'm, I'm still uh, struggling with bitterness. I still can't get over the anger. I, I, I'm, I'm still mad in my heart. I, I'm still looking at the pornography. I, I've been over it, and I'm done, and that's it, and I quit. And God, okay, I'm going to set up rules and regulations and standards in my life, but, but, but this, this, this sin keeps coming back. God, I don't know if I'll ever be used. I feel useless. God, I'm struggling. Call a student. You're not a failure because you fail. You're a failure if you give up. And the Bible says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. No, no, time out, watch now. One of the most paralyzing mistakes we make is uh, somehow thinking that our problems disqualify us from being used of God. So let me say it like this. If God has the power to save you, he has the power to forgive you. Done, gone, passed, move on. It's forgiveness. It's, it's you and I realizing that the goal isn't holiness. The goal isn't faith. The goal isn't standards. The goal isn't making everybody happy. The goal isn't being like everybody else. No, the goal is Jesus. And when you and I begin to realize today that, that, that it's not you and I sinning and okay, we're out. Or, or you and I not being like everybody else, okay, we're out. That, that, that's it, we're done. It's, it's over. No, it's you and I realizing that we have a God in heaven that sin is only begotten son to die for you and to die for me. And he's not sitting up in heaven mad at us and stomping us when we're down. No, 
know. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen. Man, I feel like a bottle in the smoke. Now, here's, 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 the, here's the cool thing. Brother Troy, we use the word cool. I don't know what they use anymore, but you remember the word cool. It's a, it's a good word. Now watch Brother Burton. The amazing, awesome, incredible, Dr. R. Hip, I don't know, groovy, Dr. Getch, whatever, okay. The amazing thing about this scripture is this. That bottle was not done. In Old Testament times, when that bottle would become leaking, useless, it was discarded. They would take that bottle and they would soak it in water. They would make sure that it got really pliable again. And they would take that bottle then and they would unwrap it. And they would take that leather that was useless and cracked and not able to do its job. And they would take a mold and they would take that leather and new leather. And they would take that mold and once again wrap it to where it could be used once again. Can I tell you, friend? There are those in this room that need to take our bodies and our clay and let the potter begin to remold you and I. Not in the image of self, not in the image of culture, not in the image of what's cool, not in the image of the newest podcast, not in the image of some great man or some great woman. No, we need to be made in the image of Jesus Christ. We need to realize that his leather, that goodness and that mercy and that grace and, 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 and us taking what is old and useless and done and allowing Jesus Christ to once again and mold us into someone who is usable, someone who is loved, someone who is generating mercy. How many today are thankful for forgiveness? Would you say amen? amen? Hey, friend, realize today the key to surviving is there was a confidence. I want you to look, secondly, there was also a call. There was also a call. Look at verse number 84. How many are the days of thy servant? What a question. When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? Verse number 85. The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. You see, utterly exhausted and frustrated from this painful ordeal, the psalmist cried out for God, I, I need answers the psalmist questioning of God is a common reaction to intense suffering and persecution. Hold on, watch now very carefully. Listen, listen, young person. There are many who just assume that, that you're wrong or sinful for questioning God. That's not true. James said that you and I ought to ask of God for wisdom. The psalmist said, my soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Isaiah said, wilt thou refrain thyself from these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? The best answer for you and I is to realize today that at times, if we're going through a difficult circumstance, if you and I are going to be in ministry, if we are going to make it today, there at times have to be those moments that we cry out to God and it's okay to ask God, God, why am I going through this? Now listen, college student. It's okay to ask. 
But you have to be okay with the answer. You have to be okay with his timing. Oh, God, I need it here and I need it now. I don't know why. Why is this happening to me, God? Why can't I pay my bill? Why can't I find a person to marry? Why can't I pass this class? God, I don't know why my car is always breaking out. Lord, I just, I just need some answers. It's all right, but understand this. Sometimes we might not like the answer that God gives us. The point here is this. We have to call out. Young person, I realize social media is taking over. I'm not against social media at all. At all. I have a, uh, an X account. I have a Facebook account. I have an um, Instagram account. You know, follow me on any of those. Follow me. Love, love to be able to. In fact, you, you, you're a math or science teacher. Shoot me a, a message. Be glad. I'm not here to, to preach against the things that, that you're involved in. But I will tell you this. We have become very good at calling out for help. Or complaining. And we do it to each other. You know how often I ask somebody. Oh pastor life is so bad and this and that. And I'm just oh I'm going through a hard time. Well have you talked to the Lord about it? Well no but I asked my mom and I asked my dad. And I, asked, I asked my husband and my wife. And well I just put it out there on Facebook. I just really need some prayers. Okay great. We all need prayers. But wouldn't you agree today. We ought to be calling upon the one who can help you and I. It was Corey Ten Boom that said. Any concern to be turned into a prayer is too small. Is to, Excuse me. Any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden it was Benjamin Franklin that said work as if you were to live a hundred years pray as if you were to die tomorrow you and I pray and we talk to him and we yes we have this confidence and yes we call upon him but listen very carefully I'm just putting it just very simple today you and I pray but we pray coming up with our own plan Dr. Getch I'm so guilty of this Friend, I'm telling you, Thomas Shepard prays, and I pray in a way that many of you are guilty of in this room. So don't be sitting here, well, yeah, boy, I'm just, I don't really like that preacher. He's, before I feel all judged in here, okay, we all do this. We pray coming up with our own plan. Lord, I'm not telling you what to do, but if I were God, this person who's being mean to me and cruel to me, just let lightning come down from heaven and strike them. Anybody with me today? No, I'm just joking. Don't raise your hand. Lord, I, I really need this money. If I don't have this money, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be able to stay in school. And so, God, I'm just, I, I'm just, uh, the, the administration said, call upon you. So I'm calling upon you. I'm not telling you what to do, God. But, you know, Grandma and Grandpa, they've they got a lot of money. And if they could just, if I could open up my mailbox today and abracadabra, Boom, there is a check. God, that would just be really great. Great. Isn't it amazing how much we pray, but we pray in our will? Friend, you can have control or you can have faith, but you cannot have both. If you're going to get through the difficult circumstances of life, you have to realize there must be a calling upon God. A calling that you and I hit our knees and you and I are living by faith and you and I are calling upon the one who can fix these problems and you and I realizing that, hey, it might not be tomorrow and it might not be the next day, but we are talking to someone who always listens and is always there. You see, there is a key to this survival. The first was there was a confidence. Secondly, there was a call. But lastly, would you write this down? 
There was a courage. There was a courage. Dr. Gatch, I didn't realize that over the last three days we're talking about courage. So just allow me today, college student, just to touch on this and we'll close this morning. But I want you to listen. The psalmist closed this portion of chapter 119 by reminding the Lord that his confidence was in his word. Then he appeals to God to help him on the basis of his faithfulness. Lord, realize my, my confidence in you is in you. I have faithfully followed you. Lord, I need you to hear me. There's a confidence, a call, and a courage. Look at verse number 86. This is this. All thy commandments are faithful. Gentlemen, today in this room, if you believe that statement, all thy commandments are faithful, would you say amen? amen. Let me try it again. If you're a man and you believe this statement is true, would you say amen this morning? Amen. All thy commandments are faithful. <laughs> they persecute me wrongfully. Look what he says. Help thou me. You see, he trusted it with all his heart, declaring that all God's promises, they're faithful, they're, they're trustworthy, they're absolutely true. Look at verse number 87. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. You see, for the psalmist, and everybody tune in and watch it, I'm almost done. For this psalmist, these wicked accusers over and over again through this entire chapter have been persecuting him that to, the, to the place he has felt death. That's, that's where his emotions are at. They, they were bullies. They were wrong. They were liars. They, they, they attacked him in very horrific ways through this passage of Scripture. And here he is, and he's calling out to God, and he's saying, Lord, yet all of this has taken place, yet I have not forsaken thy word. College student, here's where many, your age and my age, go very wrong. <laughs> this is where it hurts. This is where survival through God's word is so key. There are many that have sat in this auditorium and the hurt of others consumed them. They get away from God. They get away from church. You look at their social media. They have nothing to do with God or his word. Because they allowed the hurt of others to consume them. Friend, I have said it so many times from behind this pulpit and across this country. And it's so true. Now listen very carefully. Life is not fair. It's just not fair. I don't always understand that, but it's not. We're given different gifts. We have different backgrounds. We have different family trees. But there are many who will face a struggle in their life. And it may be big or it may be small. But there are many who allow the root of bitterness to get in. And it consumes them. 
I should have never deserved those uh, demerits. I, I should have, I should, the Blims should have known bro, better. Brother Blims should have, I, I wasn't even there. That just, it's just not fair. And they allowed something. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's not Brother Blim. It's so many uh, uh, teachers in this very room. They've seen some kind of small reprimand, some kind of little help, just a, a little mentoring in that, in that young person's life. And they took it and they defied it and they got mad and angry and they, they allowed it to consume them to the place where, where, where they never came back to school. Friend, I'm not saying today that, that the hurt in your life has all been, been just great and it's easy and it's simple. No, I do realize that there is abuse that at times maybe in your family or back home or, or, or something unfair took place in your life and it was huge and it hurt. But I am telling you this. You have to have courage to overcome it. Friend, can I admit to you today, I've been hurt. No, I think, I think at times, I remember sitting where you sit and you think, I, 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 you don't know what I've been through. Brother Shepherd, you don't realize the pain and the suffering or the abuse that I, that I took in my life. I get it and I realize it. I know Say, Brother Shepherd, you've had people that have hurt you. Yes, I have been hurt before. You say, then Brother Shepherd, how do I how do I let go of those who have hurt me or bullied me or spoke ill of me? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen now, watch. I don't think you understand. It's nothing that I learned from a podcast or or some leaders' convention or a TED talk. I met a man named Jesus, and he said, I won't torture sin against you. And if you come to me, I'll forgive you. And I love you. And I I choose you and I call you by name and I have a plan for your life and I have a step for you to take and when I look into his word and I realize what he offered me it set in motion that I am by definition a forgiver why it's what I do because it is what I have received I know what Jesus has done for me I know that he has forgiven me I know he's not keeping a big list of all the things that I've done wrong and all the times I fail him every day and I begin to realize, if God doesn't do that in my life, then why do I do it to others? It takes courage to move on. We've heard courage this entire week. Courage. And yet, after all these messages, we still step back and say, well, that's just not for me. I'm not, I'm not the kid that stuttered. I'm not the kid that stood up at camp. I'm not the girl that stepped down and came down. I'm introverted. I'm backwards. I'm this. No, no, time out. You must realize today it takes courage to be in this fight. And it's not this courage that's only given to a select few. No, you and I are reminded that God is here and God forgives and God has chosen you and he wants you to be in the fight and he wants you not to be, hold on, listen now, a weak Christian Bible college is not for somebody who says, well, I'll go to college and I'll go to Bible college. And if it works out great and if it doesn't, oh, well, I'll flip a coin. Maybe I'll come back semester, next semester. Maybe I will. No, hold on, listen. There has got to be a man or a woman in this room that finally, maybe for the first time in your life, you have courage. You have courage no matter the circumstances, no matter who's been after you, no matter, no, no matter the toughness in life. 
You stand up today and you say, I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm going to have that courage. Now listen, if I tune in, and I'm done. Dr. Gatch, I'll be done. For too long, your generation, talking about you, I'm a millennial, this is your generation, has been called weak and feeble and lazy. Gentlemen, at some point, you have to be the one that makes the change. Anybody with me today, man? No, no, hold on, listen. I'm not talking about, oh, maybe, okay, well, yeah, that guy, boy, he's got, he's got the nice suits. He's got the nice car. Boy, he's got the voice that just really propels. He's got, he's got, a, he's got a mind like Dr. England. Boy, that's the guy that's just going to, he's going to really make a change. No, it has to be you, gentlemen. Ladies, there has to be a girl in here that at some point says, I, I'm not going to let other generations talk about my generation. I'm going to be the one that steps up. Well, Brother Shepherd, that sounds good, but uh, you know what? I'm, I'm just here, and, and it's not really my fight, and, and it's not, it's, I'm just a one-year Bible college student. How many in this room, it doesn't matter your gender, how many are saved today, would you say amen? amen. Let me ask you again. How many are saved today, would you say amen? amen. Then come on. I'm talking about be strong. I'm talking about the Bible that says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's weak Christianity that says, well, it's not my fight. Well, I'm not really good at this whole battlefield thing. No, excuse me, soldier. And the Bible says, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. If there was ever a day and a place and a culture that needed you, college student, that time is now. The Bible says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong. That means this college student, this is our battle, this is our fight, this is our time, this is our job, this is our stance, this is our family, this is our culture. We are West Coast Baptist College and would to God we'd have some young people that would step out of the aisle today and quit sitting on the lines of apathy and say, I'm going to hazard my life for the Lord Jesus Christ, not for one year, not for two years, but for the rest of my life. God, no matter the circumstances, no matter the trial, no matter the heartache, I want to serve you. The key is already given to us. But how many today will heed the confidence, the call, and the courage? With every head bowed and with every eye closed, no one looking around.